All righty. My name is Mateo. Welcome back. Good to be with you all today. This is Sunday stream number nine. Now I'm doing this on Tuesday. I planned on doing this earlier, but I just had so much going on <clears throat> otherwise uh, between the baptism and between uh, getting the catechism done and between uh, family stuff. And I was very sick yesterday. I had some stomach bug that came out of nowhere. I'm not sure what it was, but now we have begun the fast. And so I shouldn't be dealing with that stuff anymore. I should just be hungry, <laughs> which is no illness in and of itself, uh, but something to quench uh, the spirit and to curtail the passions, which often overtake me. And uh, one of those passions, I guess you could say recently, which has come over me, uh, and perhaps you guys saw this in the last video that we did, was that of despondency. And this is something that I think a lot of people are falling into. Uh, people are falling into despair and hopelessness and dismay, and I understand this perspective. I do. Um, I try to remind myself that there is a spiritual world beyond this one, and we are just people passing through this temporal space. And we are here to be tried. We are here to be tested. And what we have going on in the world is meant to bring us closer to salvation. And even though I say that, sometimes I myself can fall away from that perspective just because it's natural. Um, you know, you want to see the best for your fellow man. And when you see all these things going on in the world, people running around with their chick their heads cut off like chickens. Um, it can bring you a little bit down, but a lot of you brought me back up because you guys sent me like so many messages. Uh, I'd received very kind words from a lot of you guys. I had received prayers and I felt those prayers. I felt the kindness gleaning off your messages that you had sent me. So thank you so much for sending all that. I'd also received some donations, which I didn't expect, uh, especially because I said I was going to be taking a break. Uh, you guys sent me donations when I wasn't working. Now, don't make me into a welfare case trying to get, stay away from that. No, I'm joking. But thank you so much uh, for those donations. Uh, I appreciate it. And we've also gotten a lot of new subscribers over the last eight days that I've been away, uh, which is quite something. So welcome new subscribers. Welcome to the channel. We typically talk about Monero most of the time and other coins in the Freedom Coin Covenant. But... Uh, on our Sunday streams, we talk about things other than crypto. Uh, in the past, it's been uh, oriented towards Christian theology and faith, but I was talking to my spiritual father, and he encouraged me to stay on the topic of crypto, <laughs> interestingly enough, because uh, I'm not oriented enough with the church to be speaking theologically about these matters, and if I were to be making mistakes, then I would be misleading people. Uh, and we don't want that because our faith, while it is uh, mystery oriented and there is that mystical element to it, that uh, holistic element, we do understand our faith through reason. And if we are led astray by bad theology, bad reason, uh, which is heresy, apostasy, well, then that could be spiritually detrimental to people. And so we ought to leave that to those who are uh, well-versed in that stuff. And me, myself, 
I have not been in the church long enough to do that. And so that's why I've moved away from doing that. But on Sunday streams, now we're going to be talking a little bit about the news. There's a lot to be talking about in regards to this stuff, which we're going to get to today. It's going to be a long stream. So I hope that you guys tighten your seatbelts. I hope that you guys are locked and loaded and ready to go uh, because we're going to be talking about the energy infrastructure. Now we're going to tie this into the crypto sphere. And there is just more craziness going on in the crypto sphere where it's like, okay, we need to like have a revolution first in the crypto sphere before we carry this revolution to the real world. Because so many people in the crypto sphere are just being led astray by so many little shiny objects. And these are demons, surely, that are leading people in these directions uh, to buy a sheep token, and to pump doggy coins, and to pump dodge along coin. I mean, the crazy coins are getting crazier by the day. And I see them going up ever more in value, which is nuts. But this is demonic. We need to stop this. And then also, I'm seeing so many people move into the metaverse space. And I made a tweet about this the other day, talking about how so many people are getting into uh, like video game coins and uh, Decentraland is another one where I think I saw a tweet of somebody who said that they had bought a plot of land, quote unquote, in Decentraland back in 2017 for like 100 bucks, And they just recently sold that plot of land for $93,000. I also saw that somebody had purchased a plot of land in Decentraland, quote unquote, for $2.4 million. Just mind-blowing stuff. And while people are buying these ridiculously dumb virtual plots of land, Bill Gates is out there buying up all the farmland, taking over the food supply. You got Blacklock, BlackRock coming in, buying up all the residential real estate. So the real assets are being bought up by the elites. And central banks are buying more and more gold every day. Singapore, Hungary, uh, Poland, Russia, China, buying huge, huge, huge sums of real gold. Not digital gold, not Bitcoin, real gold. Bitcoin is not digital gold. I I'm tired of hearing about that. I don't want to hear about crypto being digital gold. It's not. Gold has particular unique elemental qualities, which make it so it doesn't just function as money. It can function as things beyond money. That's not the case with cryptocurrency in many cases. I mean, we're talking about information transfer. Um, I, I was reading an article the other day of some Venezuelan uh, you know, leader or kleptocrat, whoever you want to call him, probably a kleptocrat. He was eating gold flake steaks, right? You, you, you can't do that with Bitcoin. You can't do that with crypto. You can't eat gold flake steaks. Uh, you can't have Bitcoin laid in jewelry, Bitcoin laid in adornments in your house. Uh, you can't use Bitcoin in order to facilitate energy transfer uh, within technological gadgets. Now, that's more arguable. Uh, go get Michael Saylor on that. Digital energy, bro, uh, or whatever. But look, Crypto is about being a way to transfer financial data in a secure, trustless, decentralized way. That's what it's for. Monero does that the best. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Monero is the best cryptocurrency because it allows for that transfer of financial data. And it does it privately. It does it so that it's fungible, which means that the financial data is able to be trusted more because... With Bitcoin, it's not as trustless as everyone says. You could get a Bitcoin. It could be tainted. And if you don't have blockchain analytics companies looking at the blockchain to make sure that Bitcoin isn't tainted, 
as it comes in your wallet, well, you're going to have to trust that it isn't tainted. So there's an element of trust there, more so than with Monero, where everything is private, where everything is fungible, nothing can be tainted, right? And we could go on. We've talked about this a lot. But gold is being bought up. Land is being bought up. Silver is being bought up. All the real assets are being bought up while all the retail money is being distracted by overvalued stocks like Tesla, which the elites are selling a lot of their stocks right now. A lot of the CEOs are cashing out and are moving out of the market. And this is typically something you see towards the top of a market. Excuse me, cycle. And real things are being bought. The retail money is being distracted and is going into crypto, many of which are worthless. Many of which are worthless. Um, I personally don't think Ethereum is worth $500, $600 billion. It barely works. It barely functions. People are making a huge, huge gamble that Ethereum is going to work. Right? There's this great meme out there. It's like $35 for a wire fee. Oh, my goodness. We need to fix that. $150 for a gas fee to transfer some Ethereum. Yeah, perfect. Let's do that. I mean, it's wild. People have this bet that they're going to fix it. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Who knows? Um, I heard a wise person say, don't bet on the functionality of future technology in order to justify your investment thesis. You want to buy something which works already. Monero already works. It already works. It already has proven its use case on the dark webs, which, you know, we're not fans of, but if people are using it on the dark webs, then it works. It is the most optimal form of digital currency. And so that should be its function. That should be its use case. It's very simple, guys. Cryptocurrency was meant to be private digital cash. It was meant to be Monero. All this other stuff that people are messing with, I don't understand. It's stupid stuff. Especially in this time when we need to be marshalling our resources together in order to secure basic essentials, like food, (laughs) like our own land, our own property, right? litigators maybe who are going to be on your side to protect your rights in a court of law like we could do all of these things and i'm not hitting against anyone trying to make a buck out there but that's not what crypto is for it is not to put a bunch of money in your pockets which is invariably just coming from somebody else right because again these things don't make anything they just take capital from one position and move it to another position it's wealth transfer That's what people are getting excited about in regards to this stuff. Um, So we're going to talk a bit more about that because one of the things that has led me to become more despondent, despite all the craziness going on in crypto, people wanting to turn crypto into something that it's not, uh, is the energy infrastructure. This is becoming ever more concerned to me. Uh, I think that the people in charge, either one of two things are happening, and I am going to lean towards one more than the other, but as we go through this, I'll have you guys come up with your own decisions as to that. But either they are so unbelievably incompetent that they pose a serious risk to the energy infrastructure of the planet, or they're evil, and this is part of the Great Reset, This is part of their depopulation program. And they're trying to cut off 
the abundant energy supply that we have otherwise had over the last 12 years. It's either one of those two things, because what we're about to go through today is going to perhaps shock you if you're not aware of these things, if you're not aware of what's going on with energy, uh, which is becoming more fragile by the day in regards to our accessibility of it. And that plays into crypto, right? And if crypto does not have the same level of energy accessibility as it has had in the past, that could be problematic. That could be problematic. Because recall that one video that we did about Europe potentially banning Bitcoin mining, proof-of-work mining. There was a proposal that was made by a couple Swedish officials to the European Union. They had said that it does not meet the Paris Climate Accord goals and their ESG initiatives to have proof-of-work accepted and integrated into the European Union framework and to allow it amongst the population and amongst corporations. And we talked about how that leads to perhaps more centralization. If that does pass, even if it doesn't pass, I mean, this is a concern for anyone who wants to set up a Bitcoin mining operation in Europe, so a lot of them are going to come to the States. And there are other things going on in the world, like in India, that is bringing ever more uh, Bitcoin mining flows to the United States, which is going to centralize things, which is going to perhaps make it so that they're able to censor, censor the Bitcoin blockchain, which, again, we don't see enough people talking about in crypto. It's just number go up stuff. Um, but this is a fundamental issue that I see. Uh, but it could be that as energy gets ever more scarce because of the ridiculous policies that these people are putting into place, there is going to be rationing of energy. And I believe that this is actually one of the arguments that the Swedish officials pose as well, which is that, look, we don't have enough energy as it is to have it be wasted on Bitcoin mining operations, uh, on this just hand-waved cryptocurrency stuff, on this gambling, essentially, that people are doing. We need to conserve our energy because natural gas prices in Europe are freaking nuclear. They've gone up significantly. Now, luckily, it looks like they're not going to have too cold of a winter uh, because that would drive up natural gas prices more. People would have more demand for electricity. But it's still to the point where they're thinking about rationing their energy supplies. And that is not good for proof-of-work mining. And this is going to make proof-of-stake look better. Proof-of-stake is more easily controlled anyway by the oligarchs because... The governance structure is based on who owns the most coins, and so they're going to prefer that over proof-of-work anyway. They just may use the environmental argument as a way to shift more towards that direction. We'll see. We'll see what the oligarchs do. But let's just go ahead and get into this, because I want you guys to check this out. This plays a lot into... uh, our lovely cryptos. And one thing that we noted in that European video also, by the way, is that Monero, because it's private by nature, we're not trying to rely on regulators. We're not trying to rely on anyone, really, to say whether we can or can't use the currency. It's private by default. It's, in its nature, anti-fragile and resistant to regulatory attack. And this is why whenever it comes to new crypto regulations, when it comes to uh, everything that people otherwise freak out about, oh, they didn't accept our Bitcoin ETF. It's like, okay, well, we're in Monero. Who cares? We don't need ETFs. 
Uh, we don't need all this fancy DeFi stuff, even though it is kind of cool. We just need to have digital cash so that we could transact with each other outside the system, which is what it was fundamentally meant to do. Not complicated, guys. Again, just keep it simple. Stay focused. Stay directed. Because, look, if we don't overcome this tyranny, that your gains are not going to matter. And I've said this since the beginning. Those who are willing to give up their freedom for gains will get neither. Just remember that. You will get neither. So let's go ahead and get into this because this is wild stuff. So fake it till you make it. Biden Energy Secretary fumbles two simple questions in one day. Energy Secretary uh, Jennifer Granholm on Tuesday biffled two simple questions that anyone in her position should have been able to answer. So, of course, she is a Democratic governor of Michigan, or she used to be. Go figure. It's not like she was replaced by much of anything better, obviously. And I think they already started a new lockdown in Michigan. That's something that happened while I was away. There is a new variant. Oh, God. Uh, so more people are freaking out already. I think that the New York governor has already initiated a new lockdown, which is just mind-blowing. I mean, that's how insane this all is. And this has, of course, supply chain implications. And who knows, maybe this new variant came out of nowhere in order to lower the gas prices again, which we're starting to uh, be politically problematic for the Biden administration. Who knows? But that's something to consider. We'll get to more of that because there's something I have pulled up here, which is wild in regards to that. We'll get to that. So she has zero experience in the energy sector, yet she is the energy secretary, some democratic lackey. So this is typically what you see towards the end of empires, right? You have people being hired for positions they know nothing about, but they're being hired because they're loyal to the nutty regime. Either they're compromised or they can be trusted to act in accordance with what the party wants. Okay, this is totalitarianism happening. And totalitarianism doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to oppress the population, even though there is an element to that. But it also means that there is enforced incompetence. You have people in charge who don't know what they're doing we're going to screw things up, but there's nothing you can do about it. That is another form of tyranny, you understand? Because they're going to screw things up as if they were acting evilly, but they just didn't even know what they were doing. <laughs> and so that is another form of just government messing things up, whether they are doing it on purpose or not. And you can call that tyranny. You can call it whatever. Uh, if you're a narco-capitalist, you probably think that is uh, the case either way. Um, we shouldn't have an energy secretary. But back to this, was asked how many barrels of oil the U.S. consumers consume in a day. So simple question to the energy secretary. How much energy does the U.S. consume every day? On average, what is an estimate, right? She says, I don't have that number in front of me, sorry. So th there's probably like at least a million people in the American energy sector who know the answer to that question. She didn't know it, right? So you have people at the helm who have no idea what they're doing. So let's listen to her. There are various figures about this. I'm curious if you know, how many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me. So some suggest it's about 18 million, which would suggest you're releasing less than three days' worth of supply from the petroleum reserve. Look, she has no idea what she's doing. And this is the same lady who was talking with somebody on CNBC 
and the person from CNBC had asked her, they were like, hey, so uh, you guys are relying more on the Saudis and the people in the Middle East to pump more oil in order to lower gas prices. We were just energy independent a few months ago. Uh, why don't we expand our operations to get more oil out of the ground? Why don't we try to become more oil, excuse me, more oil independent? And she laughed. She laughed. They're like, what are we doing in order to increase the supply ourselves rather than begging other countries which wage war and have human rights abuses and cause a lot of problems, right? What are we doing to fix the problem ourselves? And she laughed. She's like, oh, if I had the answer to that, she's the energy secretary. <laughs> so this is uh, a little concerning, as you can imagine. Uh, and look, energy is no small deal. You're talking about the fundamental flows of the life of civilization, which is why we have the petrodollar, which is why we go to war in order to have the dollar backed with oil and for people to sell the oil in dollars. Oil is the lifeblood of civilization. And if you don't have, or at least modern civilization, if you don't have oil flowing or you don't have adequate energy supply coming from whatever other technology, nuclear, wind, solar, etc., well, people start to die. Economies start to collapse. Inflation starts to get out of control. The price of energy is included in everything. Manufacturing, processing, packaging, shipping, transportation, consumption. Everything relies on energy. And so when the energy secretary has not a clue what she's doing, uh, that's something to note. That's something seriously to note. Next, she couldn't provide an answer as to when Americans can expect gas prices to drop and how long she might expect a drop to last, to which she replied, yeah, I'm not going to make a prediction about how much and how long. So no confidence being given to the American public. She can't even lie. <laughs> That's how incompetent she is. She can't even lie and say, yeah, we'll have it fixed in a little bit. She can't even grant confidence as a leader. So let's see how she responds to this question. Thank you, Madam Secretary. So bottom line, how soon will Americans see prices at the pump drop, and how long do you expect that to last? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not going to make a prediction about how much and how long. Um, I'm, what I'm saying is that these, this is the largest amount that we've ever done, and it won't happen tomorrow but it'll happen over the next few weeks that people hopefully will start to see the difference. Before the end of the year, before the Christmas holiday? I think that people will start to see some uh, tick down uh, over the next bit. But again, we want Over the next bit, what does that mean? We want to make sure that the gas prices at the pump are not being held artificially high for some reason. So as I mentioned, it is unusual. She looks like some high schooler who just popped out of the woods after smoking a bowl popping back into class and the teacher suspects something and they're asking her questions about what they just went through in class. And here she is, red-eyed, doobied face. And she's like, uh, dude, I mean, over the next bit, things will get a little better. Uh, you know, we've got a plan. Uh, like all this vague language. Notice how she's not even saying anything. She's just rambling. The price of gas at the pump doesn't drop with the same at the same rate as the price of unfinished gas, and they, people would be paying thirty cents less per gallon if that had done that. So this is why the president sending the letter to the FTC was important. Yeah, she has no idea what she's talking about. 
So, oh, we we talked about that, but that doesn't grant confidence, right? <laughs> and this is funny. If you guys have seen Catch Me If You Can, do you concur? <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, there is some other article I wanted to check out uh, on Twitter. We've got so much to go through. Just stay with me here. So this is Biden's nominee for the comptroller of the currency. Now, luckily, she didn't make it. But just the fact that she was nominated, okay? And this lady came from Moscow University. This lady was talking about shutting down people's accounts at their individual banks and having those accounts set up at the Fed. Listen to what she has to say about the oil and gas industry. This lady was almost in the office of the comptroller of the currency, a communist lady. Check it out. For certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? Just, we want them to go bankrupt to tackle climate change. Think of how many people in these European administrations, in the American administration, who think like this. It's many, right? And they're thinking about spending $150 trillion, and I, I'm not making that up. Go look it up. We did a couple videos on this. I'll link them. But they're looking to spend $150 trillion over the next 30 years in order to tackle climate change, quote-unquote. Now, of course, this is just an excuse uh, to continue to have central banks print money and buy assets and to keep asset prices going up in order to benefit the rich. And it's a way to raise taxes because there's nothing that you can't do, right, if you've got some planetary problem which threatens humanity and the species as a whole. Uh, even though I don't think these people care about humanity. A lot of these environmentalists, I mean, they would mow down people at the mall. Like, it's Modern Warfare 2. Like, they would be those people going through the airport, right? Like, they would do that in order to save a few birds. They would do that to save forests or whatever. Like, that's how crazy these people are. They care less about humanity than they do about the environment, thinking that they know better than the environment. Now, listen to how crazy that is, but that's what we're dealing with, right? Just insanity is getting out of control. The irrationality of the people out there who are taking the reins of power, like AOC, like this energy secretary, like this lady right here, are either insane or they're evil and they want to completely do away with humanity. And we're seeing a little bit of that with the transhumanist movement, uh, which I suspect is going to play a little bit into uh, what we're seeing in regards to the bug and the passports and everything like that. We'll get to that maybe another video. We'll broach on it probably more in this video too, but... That is what we're dealing with. Just crazy, crazy stuff. So that's to note. That's to note. Biden administration weighs shutting down another pipeline. Now, they had already shut down the Keystone pipeline. And as we talked about earlier, they're trying to vie for other countries, increasing their oil production to push prices back down when the people vying for the increase in the oil prices overseas are trying to, or excuse me, the increase of the oil production overseas are trying to 
actively right now decrease our oil production here in the States. And if this is a planetary problem, this climate change phenomenon, why is it do you think that if you shut down oil production in one place, but it increases in another place, that this somehow creates some net benefit for the environment on a global scale? It makes zero sense. Again, just think about this. It's ludicrous. It's goofy. But they're weighing down shut they're weighing shutting down another pipeline. So Deputy Press Secretary confirms Biden administration reviewing environmental impact. So they're talking about shutting down another pipeline. Uh, White House Deputy Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre disputed reports saying President Joe Biden was going to terminate Enbridge Inc.'s Line 5 pipeline, which stretches from Canada into Michigan. So they're reviewing the matter. I mean, it's insane that it's even being reviewed, right, with everything going on. Line 5 is part of a pipeline network that moves crude oil and other petroleum-based products from Canada, transporting some 500,000 barrels per day. 500,000 barrels. So let's do the math on that. We consume approximately 20 million barrels of energy per day. Okay. So we get 140th of our oil that we use as a country from this pipeline that they want to shut down. That's more that we're going to have to get from another country. That's more that Russia could be pumping, right? We're probably going to get more oil from Russia. And by the way, Gazprom uh, just recorded record profits. So gas prices are going to continue to go up. Europe's going to have continued more demand for Russian oil because they're insanely stupid over there in Europe, shutting down nuclear facilities, shutting down coal-fired power plants, you name it. Anything that is destroying their energy infrastructure, they're doing over there in Europe, which means they're going to have more reliance on Russian gas, which also means they're going to have more reliance on Russia, which means they're going to be more politically compromised to Russia, which means there's probably not going to be a war with Russia because if there's a war between NATO, i.e. Europe, and Russia, they'd be killed because Russia would just shut off gas supply. Russia's allies, which also produce a lot of gas, they'd probably shut off gas supply to Europe too, and they'd be screwed. I mean, Europe, uh, they just don't know what they're doing over there. The whole anti-Russia thing, in my opinion, is just a way for the NATO complex and the military-industrial complex to make money uh, off building up budgets in the face of a perceived threat that they made up, right? So Russia is the boogeyman. You need to always have a boogeyman in order for the military-industrial complex to continue to justify funding. And so that is, in my opinion, what has happened for the most part. So they are weighing potential market effects of a shutdown of the pipeline. So what's what do you need to weigh? It means the price of oil is going to go up. Is this that complicated? And gas prices are already pretty high. Yes, the move would further cause gas prices to increase already among high gas prices. Yeah, so this isn't complicated, right? Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat, has also sought to shut down one segment of the pipeline, ordering Enbridge to stop operations in May due to concerns about a section that runs under the Straits 
of Mackinac leaning into the Great Lakes. So I do remember this article. There was nothing wrong with the pipeline. There were no leaks. There had been consistent audits and maintenance reports done on this pipeline going back 50 years, and there's never been a problem. But all of a sudden, you see Gretchen Whitmer is concerned about this pipeline. And this happened, by the way, during the time when the Colonial Pipeline was cyber-attacked. So a Colonial... So a pipeline gets cyber-attacked. You shut down oil and gas flowing from one pipeline, one major pipeline in the United States, causing gas prices to go up. And then Gretchen Whitmer comes out of nowhere and she says, hey, we ought to shut down this one too. A lot of pipelines shutting down all of a sudden. Do you guys notice this? Do not forget about that Colonial Pipeline attack. That is very key. That is very important. It could have been that that was, that was some kind of like psyop in order to groom the population into believing that A, cyber attacks are a thing of the future. Critical infrastructure can be shut down. Maybe that plays into the whole, uh, you know, operation cyber, poly, cyber, poly something. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like some Klaus Schwab thing. Uh, and then you have Keystone shutting down. You have this thing with Enbridge. I mean, what are they doing? <laughs> like, it's one thing to not increase the number of pipelines which are being built in the country. It's one thing to uh, not have more exploration, but they're actively shutting down pipelines. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? This is strange, isn't it? So protesters were able to force the shutdown of the pipeline for several hours. So protesters are now shutting down pipelines because the education system has turned people against their country. And so, again, we have threats within our country which are substantial. We don't have to worry about China. We don't have to worry about Russia. You have protesters trying to shut down critical energy infrastructure in the United States as a result of the crazy education system which has been compromised by communists, right? So that's something to consider. So we view this pipeline, this is a quote, as an existential threat to our treaty-protected rights, resources, and fundamental way of life as Anishinaabe people of the Great Lakes. Uh, okay. I mean, fundamental way of life. What way of life is that? It's not a modern way of life. I mean, maybe you're talking about like pre-industrial era way of life but uh yeah you're going to be dealing with huge energy issues as we enter the winter months and temperatures drop across the midwest the termination of line five will undoubtedly further exacerbate shortages and price increases in home heating fuels like natural gas and propane at a time when americans are already facing rapidly rising energy prices, steep home heating costs, global supply shortages, and skyrocketing gas prices. So again, with all that going on, why would this even be considered? It really makes you think, are we being sabotaged? Earlier this year, Biden signed an executive order suspending construction of the Keystone Pipeline that would have transported crude oil to the interior of the United States from Alberta, Canada. 
Uh, the Canadians were not happy about this. So, pretty wild, right? Let's go to the next article. We've got a lot more to talk about. So, the Keystone Pipeline, according to this article, could have brought in about a million barrels per day. It could have supplied the United States with one-twentieth of their energy demand. It's pretty significant. But now we're going to have to go overseas for that. And Manchin here is talking about the release of the 50 million barrels of oil from the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the president said that he is using every tool available to him to lower gas prices. Just totally false. (laughs) Based on what we just said, that's totally false. You sign an executive order to limit a million barrels of oil moving into the country per day. And he says he's using every tool available to him to lower gas prices. I mean, again, either they are ridiculously stupid or they're trying to sabotage our energy infrastructure. Right? So he said, Manchin, with an energy transition underway across the country, it is critical that Washington does not jeopardize America's energy security in the near term and leave consumers vulnerable to rising prices. And that's what they're doing. Uh, The senator proceeded to call on Biden to responsibly increase energy production here at home and to reverse course to allow the Keystone XL pipeline to be built, which would have provided our country with up to 900,000 barrels of oil per day. To be clear, this is about American energy independence and the fact that hardworking Americans should not depend on foreign actors like OPEC+, Plus, which is Saudi Arabia, UAE, etc., uh, for our energy security and instead focus on the real challenges facing our country's future. Right. And if you're dependent on other countries for your energy, you are politically exposed to them. And so if our allies have some issue with some other country in the Middle East, maybe Iran or something like this, well, then we have to take their side politically. And then they have our political leverage in order to accomplish whatever nefarious things they want to do across the world. And by the way, is war good for climate change? Is war good for lowering energy production? No, it's explosive. It causes death. It causes environmental destruction. It causes countries like the United States, for example, to use uranium-depleted weaponry which cause genetic issues for generations and the populations that it's used against, and it causes places to be uninhabitable, right? So just think about this. We have to be dependent on countries which have a knack for war in the Middle East because of our reliance on them for oil when we could just be energy independent here at home. And it's not like carbon emissions are going down. We're just shifting them to countries that have civil rights abuses, Uh, history of civil rights abuses, and a propensity for war, which is very environmentally unfriendly. So again, what sense does this make? Is our administration compromised? I want to briefly address one myth about inflated gas prices. They're not due to environmental measures. Uh, It's just totally false. This is what Biden's saying. My effort to combat climate change is not raising the price of gas doesn't make any sense. You want to limit the use of fossil fuels. This is one of the basic tenets of fighting climate change. 
And by limiting the use of fossil fuels, you have to increase the price of gas. You have to increase the price of using fossil fuels. Does this not make sense to anybody? This is obvious. So, Biden suggested a big part of why Americans are facing high gas prices is because oil-producing countries and large companies have not ramped up the supply of oil quickly enough to meet demand. That's just absurd. It's totally absurd. So, let's go to the next article here. So, we're going to talk about the recent SPR release because this was a disaster. Um, And there are some interesting statistics to note here. The much-anticipated, much-poo-pooed release from the global reserves of 50 million barrels, which, again, is like two and a half days of what we use as far as oil is concerned. It's not much at all. was announced this morning as the Biden administration desperately tries to stop the free fall in its approval ratings. Yeah, look at that. And a lot of that probably has to do with gas prices. Uh, as well as the million of other things going on, right? So they did something. It's not working. As this dude notes so succinctly, this accomplishes nothing. We consume 20 million barrels a day. Right. So two and a half days. Pretty amazing. And the reaction from the market was an increase in the gas prices. So it did the opposite of what they thought this would do. Now, this to me indicates pure incompetence. It doesn't indicate that they're trying to sabotage the energy infrastructure, although to some degree, I believe that's what's happening. But this is just pure incompetence right here. So Kyle Bass, who is an analyst, hedge fund manager, he said it's childish thinking that will compromise U.S. national security and harm the poor and undeserved. These higher prices and the idiocy of this administration. That's what he's saying. He says, get ready for explosively higher oil, seven years of dramatic underinvestment in hydrocarbons fueled by ignorance like this will inevitably generate $100 plus crude oil and $5 plus prices at the pump for years to come. We all would love to see an overnight transition to alternative energy, but it's not going to happen not going to happen. Bass adds that it compromises national security. A coordinated SPR release is a quick shot of morphine for a major infection. It fixes nothing and is evidence of a panic in D.C. Prepare for $100 oil now. If anyone took the time to review U.S. SPR data, the administration has been selling many millions of barrels each month for the last 90 days. So look at this. They are burning through the reserves to keep the approval ratings up. So for politics... They're burning through our supply here. I mean, we're at the lowest amount of oil in the reserve going back to 2003. Just burning through it. Now, it looks like a lot of it was burned through also in the Trump administration. Because look, after 2016, there was a lot of it sold. And it looks like there was a little bit of a ramp up probably back when oil was negative. I think that was a smart political decision. Because if you recall, in May of last year, the oil price went negative because nobody had any place to put their oil. People thought it was the end of the world. 
oil companies had to continue to pump oil because you can't just stop operations and start up later because there are tremendous costs to that. And so they kept pumping the oil. Nobody had any place to use it. Everything was on lockdown. And so people were paying other people in order to take their oil. Uh, and so the price of oil thereby was negative because they had no place to put it and they were paying people to take it. So we should have ramped that up a lot. We should have put a ton in the reserve. How is it possible that this is all that we put in the reserve? We should have been dumping oil into the reserve, but it didn't happen. And now we're burning back through it, and it's starting to get like exponential, the amount of oil we're using from the reserve. And we could probably anticipate that more is going to be used. So that is something to note. It looks like we're down to 600 million barrels of oil. And maybe this is just a high IQ concern. I'm not saying I'm high IQ, but this is a concern for anyone who can think into the future and has concerns about the sustainability of our present situation. Uh, This should not be done. I mean, oil should only be used when there's an emergency. Oil that's taken out of the reserve. You should only burn through reserves when you have an emergency. When you need it for a short period of time that you hope will pass. Not for political problems that you caused that are only going to get worse because you're not fixing the underlying sol- the problem that you can provide a solution for because you caused the problem in the first place, which isn't happening. They're just burning through the reserves as a quick fix for the problems that they caused. That's concerning, right? What happens when we run out of the oil in our reserve? Because it's not like you can just snap and take more oil out of the ground. Once you're out of oil and you haven't been investing in oil, as Kyle notes, over the last number of years because of this climate change initiative and a lot of companies are no longer investing in oil exploration or production – because it's not ESG and environmentally friendly, well, I mean, you could have serious problems with sourcing oil, the fundamental energy that you need to run civilization. And that could cause a number of domino effects, right? Um, You can't just switch that back on. You can't just get companies out there to be like, oh, cool, we'll just pump more oil, no problem. Especially with as unstable as the world is becoming. It could be that the people that we're we're relying on oil for, they get into some conflict or maybe some moderate rebels or something like this end up blowing up their operations. Like look at what happened with Saudi Arabia just a year or two ago when they got into it with the Houthi rebels and the Houthi rebels flew drone bombs, like self-destructing drones into a Saudi Aramco facility and blew up something there. I mean, that caused oil prices to boost up like crazy. And this could happen to any other country, especially as the world gets more unstable, warfare becomes more nonlinear. These are major vulnerable infrastructure targets that could be compromised by antagonistic forces which are desperate. And with things heating up with Iran, uh, with Israel sparking 
conflicts wherever they go and other things going on, maybe domestic civil unrest in some of these Middle Eastern countries because food prices are going up significantly, which caused the last Arab Spring. You could see the issues with this. We don't want to be reliant on other countries for our oil. We want to be oil independent, but we're no longer oil independent, as we'll get to. So... Goldman Sachs says a Biden SPR release is now fully priced in and we will see an even higher oil price in 2022. So that is something to note. Let's talk more about this strategic oil reserve release. So Zero Hedge is reporting. And by the way, I want to make sure I source these properly. Uh, this article was the Independent Journal Review, Savannah Reitzik. Uh This is the Epoch Times, Jack Phillips. Thank you, Jack. And, yeah, th- this is Tyler Durden from Zero Hedge again. Uh, today, in the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing news, remember that big release of 50 million, barrel, 50 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? Let us jog your memory. It was the hallmark solution proposed by the Biden administration to try to address soaring energy costs for Americans. Well, it turns out that most of the oil is going to wind up in China and India. What happened there? Both countries have been actively purchasing U.S. sour crude oil produced in the Gulf of Mexico. Sour crude is appealing to foreign buyers due to its affordable price, which comes from its high sulfur content. It also makes it tougher to refine and process. So... Just the main thing I want to point out here, and this has implications for the global energy infrastructure. And it just blows my mind. It just so blows my mind how we had negative oil prices last year. And now look at this. China, India, Japan, South Korea, and the United Kingdom, and now the United States, right, are all tapping into their petroleum reserves as well. That's huge. I mean, what's going on here? Uh, the White House commented, the president has been working with countries across the world to address the lack of supply as the world exits the bug. Well, maybe it's exiting the bug. Looks like we're about to go back in. Japan just cut off all international travel. So did Israel. I think our country, the United States, has shut down travel from certain African nations. Uh, it looks like the pandemic is coming back. Hopefully it doesn't, because this new variant just looks like a joke. I mean, I can't believe people are even in fear of this. But you know what's going to happen as a result of this? They're going to try to entice more people to take the jab and more people to take boosters on top of that, because they say that this protects against this new variant somehow. Uh, And so that could cause other supply chain issues, because I have concerns about the health impacts of this. And given the number of people we're just seeing, we're seeing kill over as a result of these things, especially in sports where it's more visible, is significant. That's why I don't want to have any exposure to public transportation. I don't want to fly planes. I don't want to ride buses. I don't want to do any of that anymore. Uh, it just seems too dangerous. I mean, what if people just pass out in the air, your pilot or whatever? I mean, they're all mandated to take this thing now, or at least most of them have. Uh, and a number of them are still yet to take it, but they're probably going to be forced into it in the future. Um, but moving on, 
The president stands ready to take additional action. But yeah, I don't believe you. But let's keep going here. I mean, it just gets better and better. We're not even halfway through all these headlines. The United States stands ready to release even more barrels of oil from its strategic reserves should the need arise again. The U.S. State Department Senior Advisor for Global Energy says, and the Gold Telegraph says, this is such a stupid mistake. Indeed it is. So, imagine we use all of these strategic reserves and then we have war with China or some geopolitical conflict comes to the fore. I mean, you want to use your oil reserves for those instances, and we're not going to have that available. Or some other thing pops up. You never know, right? That's why you have a reserve. You don't use your reserves in peacetime when you could otherwise get more just by, I don't know, opening up new pipelines or opening up new exploration ventures, etc. It's just wild. It's just wild what's going on. So this is from oilprice.com. This is from... Svetanya Paraskova, a good Ruski. Uh, U.S. strategic oil reserves could fall by 50% over the next decade. The U.S. strategic petroleum reserve could drop by 304 million barrels over the next 10 years. Why 10 years? We just used 50, billion, 50 million barrels in three days. Uh, 300 million barrels over the next 10 years. I hope it's 10 years. If it's 10 years, then that's not too big of an issue. Uh, but then again, I mean, implicit in this statement is that we're not going to increase our reserves either at all. So the reason for this fall is a combination of recent legislation and the decision by Biden last week to release 50 million barrels of oil. Oh, well, this is interesting. Several infrastructure bills have already committed to SPR releases towards the end of the decade. Oh, they've already committed to this. So this is interesting. Recent legislation and last week's announcement of a release of 50 million barrels of crude oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve could see America's strategies, or America's strategic stockpiles drop to around 300 million barrels by the start of 30, 2032. So, they've already priced this in. Looks like the oil market has largely priced this in yep 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 oil prices plunged on Friday but the crash had nothing to do with the announced SPR release the market was spooked by a new heavily mutated COVID variant Omicron which is also believed to be more contagious than the previous strains right isn't that scary guys a bug that kills you know, 0.001% of the population is now more contagious. Oh, goodness gracious. It's just going to end the world. Apart from the SPR released last week, use it, uh, excuse me, I need to get, recent U.S. legislation plans for drawdowns of SPR stocks toward the end of the decade are planned. Okay. For example, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act passed earlier this month includes a provision to draw down a total of 87.6 million barrels of crude oil from the SPR in fiscal years 2028 to 2031. How do people predict this stuff? I just don't understand. 
why would you predict that you need to draw it down by 100 million barrels seven years from now? I mean, with everything going on, dude, could you guys imagine like what the world's going to look like in seven years? Like, I was just looking yesterday, and I think I had uh, posted this in the Telegram chat. They now have artificial intelligent technology self-replicating themselves. They're reproducing themselves. And with these robot dogs that they're building over at Boston Dynamics, they're starting to put rifles on top of these dogs. I mean, dude, I don't think we have seven years. I mean, Jesus is going to come back by then. <laughs> Seriously, with everything going on, uh, look, the world's going to look very different in seven years. Either it's going to be a total dystopia or it's going to be uh, like a beautiful new world of freedom and liberty. I mean, it's either going to be one of the two. Either we defeat the tyrants within seven years or the tyrants are just going to be in total control. Aliens are going to come. Maybe they take over. I don't know who, what is going to happen in seven years. Not even on my mind. I don't even know what's going to happen over the next seven days with everything going on. I mean, they're now in Greece, in Germany, making the stabby mandatory. And we knew this was coming anyway, but first to start out as a bribe, we'll give you chicken and fries. Then we'll give you $100. Then we'll give you some donuts and some money. And then we'll give you $1,000 if you work at Van Rock. And then you can't go to school if you don't have the jab. And then you're going to need it for your job. And now they're making it totally mandatory for everybody to get this thing, whether you have your own business or not. So, again, guys, this is why I I, I didn't know it would be coming this fast. It's coming very fast now. I mean, the acceleration is upon us. But, look. This is why I talk about Christ and crypto here on the channel. Uh, because if you don't have faith in this, Tom, they're going to get you. They're just going to get you. I mean, we're being attacked on all fronts at the moment from every direction. And when I say attacked, I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your spirit. Your main goal right now should be able to get through this, not necessarily with your life, although that'd be nice, but with your soul and your spirit still intact. They're going to try to compromise you at every single turn. They're going to make these things mandatory. They're going to try to starve you out. They're going to try to do whatever they can to get you on board to this new Mark of the Beast system. You got to say no. You got to reject it with everything you have. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is with faith, ladies and gentlemen. So I'd start going to church. I'd get baptized if you haven't been already. And I'll just get right. Because seven years, oh my goodness, it's nowhere on my radar. <laughs> like my dad sometimes talks to me about retirement. I mean, it, at least he's wise enough to know I'm never getting Social Security. But he wants to talk to me about retirement. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to not be kidnapped by Antichrist. <laughs> like, that's that's my retirement right there, is probably like running through the woods trying to evade drones that are blasting lasers at me and are like these metallic hornets with like the vaccine sticking out of their <laughs> ejection holes or something like that trying to swap and sting me with it i mean that's what we're dealing with um let's go to more energy news though let's not my let's ignore my ramblings u.s coal hits 12 year high threatening more energy inflation this is from yahoo news will wade uh U.S. coal prices surged to the highest in more than 12 years, threatening to blow America's already soaring electricity bills and signaling the dirty fuel isn't getting phased out anytime soon. Well, maybe it will be. I mean, they don't seem to care about the price of electricity. 
That's my concern with this. They don't seem to care what's going on with the energy markets. Everything they do is making things worse. Prices for coal from central Appalachia climbed more than $10 last week to about $90. That's the highest price since 2009 when a spike in exports boosted domestic prices for the powerful plant fuel. So prices in other U.S. regions are lower but have also climbed in the recent months. Higher prices for coal, which comes as natural gas gets costlier too, means U.S. consumers will almost certainly pay more for energy this winter. Companies uh, have been warning that the winter bills may increase by about $11 a month during heating season. Now, that's nothing compared to what the Europeans are about to go through, and we'll get to that here in a sec. That added expense comes on top of already soaring costs for food. Housing and cars in the United States driving consumer price inflation to the fastest annual pace since 1990 and stretching household budgets increasingly thin. Yeah, and that's another reason why I think that they're going to make a big deal out of this new variant. <clears throat> and Jerome Powell, he had said that this new variant poses risks to the economy, which essentially means that what is on his mind? Well, printing is on his mind. Although he did say today that inflation is no longer transitory. Uh, we're retiring the word transitory. I mean, we already knew it wasn't transitory. We knew since the beginning it wasn't transitory. But now the Fed is saying that's not transitory. They say that they're going to speed up their tapering program. But look, if another variant comes through uh, because Gates decided to uh, release the variant, right, uh, then he's going to have an excuse to keep printing, right? Or maybe expand the operations. Maybe not just buy corporate bonds like he did last year, but to buy stocks. Maybe that'll be the next step, right? So the surge in coal prices, back to the article, come as global power crises uh, drives up demand for the dirtiest fossil fuel that some had prematurely assumed was on a rapid glide path to extinction in the U.S. Probably still is. I mean, look, you have crazy people at the helm. I wouldn't assume anything. With energy demand surging, efforts to reach a deal to completely quit coal's use failed at the COP26 International Climate Conference that just ended. Delegates instead pledged to phase down rather than to phase out coal power. Coal generates more than one-third of the world's electricity, and countries including China and India depend on it for cheap, reliable power. Right. So that's something to note. I mean, if we don't use the coal, somebody else is going to use the coal. China is not going to these COP26 you know, kindergarten meetings. I mean, they are using whatever sources of power they can to make it so that their economy becomes the biggest in the world. I mean, they are trying to take over the world, and here we are saying, hey, uh, in order to save the world that China is a part of, by the way, let's go ahead and phase down our energy usage. And maybe uh, that'll make our world much more green. Meanwhile, China is just like... Like they're coming in with like just huge Santa bags of coal, right? Except it's not going down kids' chimneys. It's going into their war machine <laughs> that they're going to use to conquer the world, right? So it's just so dumb. It's almost like we're being sabotaged with this whole climate change thing in order to make it so that China becomes the global ascendant power that it looks like it's becoming. Could be. I mean, we already know Biden is very compromised by China could be compromised by Russia too with everything that was on that laptop. So 
it could be incredibly possible. Plus, by the way, any politician who has been in politics for 50 years, like Biden, is probably compromised by everybody by now. And looking at his just disastrous son and his lifestyle, I mean, they've got dirt on him. Everyone's got dirt on him, probably. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? But it could be that we're being compromised and sabotaged and hindered every step of the way to make way for China to become the true global empire. Could be. That could be what's going on. Because they're not going along with any of this crap, neither is Russia. Which is why we have made our position in Gazprom. It's the only energy company that I own. It's the only energy company I'm interested in owning. All the other uh, companies, excuse me, all the other companies are going to have to be caught up in this crap. Right? So, you want to get exposure to countries which are not going along with this program. Although, based Putin is seemingly concerned about climate change, which is kind of a letdown. Uh, But who knows why he's doing that. Maybe there's a higher political reason he's doing that. He's too smart to go along with all this ridiculous stuff. Uh, Maybe he says, maybe he says what he needs to in order to get by and to make it look like he cares about the climate so that he doesn't get more enemies than he already does. But I suspect that he's not going to allow Russian oil to be compromised by this cult. Uh, That is my bet, and it's turned out pretty well. And if you've been in that bet since we started talking about it months ago, you've done very well. So that's to note. Back to the article. The economic recovery from the coronavirus pandemic has driven up demand for electricity around the world, (laughs) leading to fuel shortfalls. While there's widespread agreement among climate negotiators that limiting coal from the global power mix is critical to avert climate disaster, just stupid stuff, the immediate need to keep factories humming shows that short-term demands are taking precedence over long-term goals. I mean, just imagine, like, the biggest concern on your mind are weather patterns that are going to be taking place 50 years from now. I mean, could you imagine... How insane that is <laughs> with everything going on. <laughs> oh, man. It really is sort of like it's a sign of high class and luxury to be concerned about climate change. Because for you to not be concerned about everything else which is happening just goes to indicate that you are a wealthy bourgeoisie. Like this is a concern for the elites because they own the world. This is their playground. For us... We're concerned as to how to heat our house so we don't freeze in the winter. (laughs) Like, this is not something they have to deal with. If they can shut down our heating capacities so that they could have a nicer backyard, they're going to do it because they're the elites, and this is what they worry about. They are trying to psyop everybody else to worrying about this stuff and to make the sacrifices themselves to do this. But they're not making the sacrifices themselves, are they? Are they riding bikes to these international climate conferences? Are they at least riding commercial airliners? No, they're taking their private jets halfway across the world to go to these conferences. So we don't need to continue to point out the hypocrisy of these people. We already know, uh, which indicates they have alternative goals, right? But uh, that's something to note. You've got the elites, and then you've got the plebs, and they're trying to get the plebs to make the sacrifices so that the elites could benefit. 
U.S. miners are struggling to ramp up coal production as American utilities burn more, leading to dwindling stockpiles and rising prices. So we have dwindling stockpiles for oil. We have dwindling stockpiles for coal. And energy shortages are increasing. Demand is increasing. I mean, what does this mean? It means soaring electricity costs going into the future for those who are plugged into the energy infrastructure. Now, this has implications for crypto, as you can imagine, because if you if you are a small-time miner in cryptocurrency, particularly for Bitcoin and some of these other proof-of-work coins, like Ethereum right now, who knows when it's going to make the move to proof-of-stake. We'll see when that happens. But uh, you're going to be priced out of the market. Your margins are going to get lower, especially if Bitcoin adoption gets more normalized and the adoption curve starts to flatten because right now we're still in that exponential phase of the S-curve before things start to plateau. But when things start to plateau, if at that same time you have energy prices soaring, uh, I mean, the marginal miner is going to be squeezed to death. They're going to be kicked out of the system. And then the only people left are going to be American corporate Bitcoin miners, for the most part. Now, your small-time miner isn't going to exist. Maybe you have some volcano miner bros in El Salvador. Maybe that becomes a thing until you know the globalists drop a nuke in the volcano and destroy all those operations. I, I am shocked that this uh, dude, Naib, I think is his name, over in El Salvador, I'm surprised nobody's taken him out yet. If nothing happens to that guy over the next number of months to a year, I'm going to assume that he is on the inside. I'm going to assume that he is somebody who is running a test on the behalf of the global elite to see what it would be like for a country to be run on Bitcoin. I, I think that is what's going on. I think El Salvador is some kind of testing ground. has to be. And if it works, I don't think that they're going to allow it to continue. I think that they're going to see that as a way that they could advertise their central bank digital currency to the public. They could say, hey, look, El Salvador is using Bitcoin. Isn't that great? Which means cryptocurrencies can work as a payment system, which means you can use our cryptocurrency. We could roll it out. And that would give the public more confidence in this being used as a national currency. But maybe the public wants Bitcoin instead. But at that point, they're going to come up with some excuse to get rid of Bitcoin if it becomes too problematic for them. They're going to say, as they're saying now in Europe, hey, it's too environmentally unfriendly in order to have this be a major payment processing program. We need to uh, have something which is more ESG, something which is more environmentally friendly. And so either that's going to be central uh, central bank digital currency or it's going to be a proof-of-stake currency. Because proof of stake is, quote unquote, more environmentally friendly, and it's more socially and governmentally amenable to what the elites want. So it's either going to be one of those two. And maybe that's why Ethereum is making the move over to proof of stake. They see this coming. Maybe that's why Zcash seems to be doing the same thing, too. Zcash, I think, is moving from proof of stake over to, or excuse me, proof of work over to proof of stake. And I think that, well, I mean, firstly, you guys should be grateful that of all the coins that I've shilled here on the channel, I have not shilled for Zcash. <laughs> At least I have that going for me because a lot of people are like, oh, he's a shill, he's a scammer. He's talking about Haven and Darrow and Pirate Chain, blah, 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 right? 
Uh, at least I haven't talked about Zcash. Uh, I think that Zcash is very much compromised. It's basically a corporation which is behind Zcash. Uh, you look at the people behind Zcash, I don't trust them at all. I don't trust them at all. I mean, you've got the Digital Currency Group, which sees Zcash as their own little pet privacy project. Uh, I think the Zcash Corporation took in money for the payment protection program, the PPP loans. They took those small business loans from the government during the pandemic, which is just wild. But I think that's why a lot of crypto projects are moving to proof of stake. They see what's coming. They are looking at this perhaps, and they're saying, okay, so there's probably going to be energy rationing. And if there's not energy rationing, the price of energy is going to be such that you're going to want energy efficient cryptos because those are going to be optimal for mass adoption. Because think about it. Fees are going to be pretty high if the marginal miner gets priced out of the market. And then you have a consolidation of market share amongst Bitcoin mining corporations. And maybe you have some inside uh, baseball going on where they all collude as a cartel, a Bitcoin mining cartel. I mean, just think about this, right? To increase the fees... And to also work with OFAC to censor and blacklist particular Bitcoins and addresses thereof. I mean, people just totally underestimate all this stuff. and It could happen, 100%. There's no doubt about it. And now I guess Jack Dorsey, who just resigned from Twitter recently, he's going to be working on Bitcoin. Oh, isn't that so exciting? So the guy who is behind censoring people on his social media platform can now move to figuring out how to censor people on Bitcoin which I suspect is part of his mining initiative. I mean, he's talking about making it so that people all over the world can mine Bitcoin through Square, which is going to massively increase the hash rate. And if Square's pool is centered in the United States and can thereby be regulated by OFAC, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, well over 50% of the Bitcoin hash rate is going to come from the United States and is going to be regulated by OFAC. And who knows what happens there? I mean, Jiraj Bednar says that if you have 10% of the hash rate, which is regulated by OFAC, that's enough to successfully censor the Bitcoin blockchain. But if it's over 50%, forget about it. I mean, you're talking about censorship city at that point. So this has enormous implications for Bitcoin. What implications does it have for Monero? Well, Monero needs to move up in price. Uh, Monero needs more transactions to be had on the chain so miners can be more incentivized to mine this stuff. As of now, it's not too profitable to mine Monero. Now, luckily, you have a tail emission. Okay. So, there's going to consistently be block rewards going into the future to mine Monero. But, miners need to have more money coming in, which means we need to have the price go up, which means we mo- we need more adoption. Because if electricity costs continue to go up, well, that's going to be problematic for uh, our lovely Monero miners. And if Al Gore gets his way, we talked about this in our economic environmental revolution video, uh, or conquest, whatever I called it, uh, they are setting up global surveillance systems to measure people's carbon output. Uh, and this is going to be applied to corporations and governments, etc. That's what they say, but it's going to be applied to people too. And if you look at the MSCI index, which is being used by investors all over the world, I believe it's the Morgan Stanley Capital Index, which is an ESG ratings firm. Uh, and they are used by investors all over the world to figure out where to invest 
money and the MSCI index give companies a grade, a social credit score, you could say. I, I mean, apparently this is already being applied to individuals. And if that expands to individuals and you start to have the surveillance system start to kick in and you have MasterCard's carbon credit card start to be issued to individuals as the new financial innovation of the time, Oh man, it's just going to be so dystopian. It's going to be so freaking dystopian. In that in that case, maybe they're able to figure out who the Monero miners are, because it does take some energy to mine this stuff, right? And if you're emitting more energy uh, than you otherwise should be, based on what they measure your average energy usage to be based on whatever appliances you have in your house. I mean, just think of how dystopian this is all getting with smart refrigerators and smart toasters. I mean, your your energy could be surveilled, how you use it. And if you are mining Monero off the grid or something like that, which it should be because it's private by default, uh, well, maybe they could have alarm bells rung at some data agency by some artificial intelligence which measures this stuff. And then people come to search your home to see why it is you're using more electricity than you otherwise either should be or are expected to be because maybe they think that you're mining crypto when you can't because you don't have a license to mine it or you don't have a permit to mine it. I mean, I'm getting dystopian right now, but you have to understand this is where we're going. This is where we're going. So just things to think about. But at least with Monero, it could be mined with a laptop. Uh, you don't need ASICs rigs, which are probably going to be heavily regulated going into the future. Uh, you can mine it with your laptop. And perhaps you could make it so that when you mine it, you're not emitting as much energy as you otherwise could. Maybe there's like some sliding scale energy usage thing you could use. I'm not sure. I'm not a miner. But... The Monero Bros will figure out some way around this. They always do. But those are just some thoughts I have about all this stuff. So let's get to the next article here. What do I got pulled up? Oh, so this is Obama. So if Check this wants out. to build a coal-powered plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them because they're going to be charged a huge sum for all that uh, greenhouse gas that's being emitted. So check so this out. If somebody wants to build a coal power plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them because they're going to be charged a huge sum for all that uh, greenhouse gas that's being emitted. So that's the plan. They're going to charge you a ton, a ton of money based on your carbon footprint, based on your emissions. That's part of the thing that we're noticing how long have i been going on for hour and 20 minutes all right so we still got a little bit to get to i mean you have to understand this stuff you understand you have to understand where we're going all right let's keep rocking u.s flips back to being a net oil importer (laughs) let's go brent so yeah we were oil independent less than a year ago and now we are not oil independent we are dependent. How did that happen? How does that happen? It's just a good question, right? Are there entities out there who have compromised our administration 
who want to sell us more oil and don't want us to be energy independent because they want to make money from us buying their oil, but also they want us to be reliant on their oil sales so that we could be politically dependent on them as well. Because again, as we talked about before, whoever owns the energy owns the world. That's something to note. Let's go to the next article. Department of Interior pushes for higher fees for offshore, onshore oil and gas companies. So they're increasing the rates for companies in the United States to operate, which means higher oil prices. Again, what is the administration talking about when they're saying they're doing everything possible to lower oil prices? It's just not the case. They're doing everything possible to increase it. A new Department of Interior report on oil and gas leasing in federal lands and waters advises the DOI's Bureau of Land Management to raise royalties, rental rates, and other fees on oil and gas companies, but hasn't moved to halt new leasing entirely. Uh, Okay, so check this out. During his 2020 presidential run, Biden said that his climate plan would include banning new oil and gas permitting on public lands and water. So they haven't done that yet, but that's the direction they're going. I mean, they just want to stop the United States from like pumping oil out of the ground. <laughs> like that's where we're going. It's just unbelievable. Oil prices and gasoline prices have become a, become a hot button issue with many blaming the Biden administration's freeze on oil and gas leasing, the shutdown on the Keystone XL pipeline and other policies for helping to drive up costs in recent months. So begging OPEC for more supply, rating our strategic reserves to try to lower prices at the pump, and now increasing leasing fees on the U.S. producers. Yep, makes perfect sense. Says Dan Eberhardt, CEO of Canary, a Denver-based drilling company. So that's insane, right? You're trying to lower oil prices, yet... You're increasing leasing fees on U.S. producers, and you're shutting down oil pipelines. Like, like, come on. In the days and weeks since the COP26 summit ended, the Biden administration has held the largest U.S. offshore drilling auction and released 50 million barrels of crude oil from the United States stockpile. Yeah, we talked about that. So this is some good news. The offshore auction came months after U.S. District Judge Terry Dottie ruled against the Biden administration's pause on new oil and gas leases on public lands and waters, finding that such auctions are mandatory under federal law. So that's interesting. That's good. So that guy's basically saying... You can't pause those leases. They have to continue. Uh, Which is some positive news to take out of all this. But again, they're going to come up with new ways to make their agenda work. (laughs) So listen to this. This is just, again, more absurd. This is coming from your government, who we're supposed to believe are competent people. But just... See how stupid this is. The DUI report claimed 
the U.S. oil and gas leasing program fails to provide a fair return to taxpayers, even before factoring in the resulting climate-related costs that must be borne by taxpayers. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. So it's not a fair return, guys, that you can get gas at the pump for 2 $3. You know it would be a better return is if you got gas at the pump for 5 or $10. Is basically what they're saying. It's just unbelievably stupid. Uh, but that's even before factor in climate-related costs, whatever that means, whatever that means. I mean, just you and your house. I don't know who you are watching this, but have you suffered climate-related costs at all that you're aware of? Name one. Name one. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the only cost you've probably incurred is when you actually believe this stuff and you donated your money to Greenpeace or something like this, some communist agency. Uh, That's the main cost that you've probably incurred. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a total scam. And you should be concerned that people of this level of intelligence or dishonesty, however you want to put it, are in charge of your government. So... During one of the busiest travel weeks of the year, when rising costs of energy are even more apparent to Americans, the Biden administration is sending mixed signals. Days after a public speech in which the White House said the president is using every tool available to him to work to lower prices and address the lack of supply, his interior department proposed to increase costs on American energy development with no clear roadmap for the future, says Frank McOrila of the American Petroleum Institute. So, yeah, we have the same concerns as well. And this is coming from the environmentalist lobby over at the Sierra Club. They're saying, we applaud the Biden administration for recognizing the serious flaws in the current oil and gas leasing program and making long overdue reforms, but to truly tackle the climate crisis. We need to phase out all new leasing for fossil fuels on public lands and offshore activities that contribute to nearly a quarter of this country's greenhouse gas emissions. So, again, he's saying right there, we need to shut down fossil fuel extraction. We need to get rid of fossil fuels. And there is no roadmap as to how it is you're going to have other alternative energy resources come to assume this demand that exists from the population. And if you do this through fiat, that is through mandated directive, there are going to be so many hiccups, as we're seeing in Europe, because they're trying to go to total alternative energy resources, which, by the way, you need rare earth minerals to build, which, by the way, means you have to have terribly uh, environmentally damaging mining operations be done. I mean, I am to some degree invested in rare earth mining operations in Australia and the United States. And when you go to look into how destructive these mining procedures are, it's hard to square because it's like, okay, well, I know green is the future because of people like this. And so I want to get some investment exposure to that. But at the same time, if I get exposure to the companies which are mining the minerals to make these green energy alternative energy technologies, then there's no way that this could be considered environmental. And there could be ESG implications for this. Maybe big 
investors can't invest in these rare earth mineral mining operations because of how environmentally damaging it is. And it's not considered ESG. And we've talked about the ESG problem uh, that Larry Fink from BlackRock is spearheading right now in the investment community. Uh, I'll see if I can link a video or something, but it, it's hard to square because to go renewable means to cause environmental damage in other ways. I mean, there's no getting around this. I mean, the environmental community, I just guess, just doesn't want to realize this. In order for human beings to have a civilization, there has to be a consequent destruction of the environment, and there has to be a certain level of consumption of Earth's resources to sustain the civilization. This is just what it is. There's no getting around this. In order for carnivores to eat, they have to consume other living animals. As much as they may love those animals, as cuddly and furry and awesome as those animals may are, they're going to eat them. Just like I'm sure I could befriend a cow or a pig. They're, they look pretty cute, but I got to eat them to live. Right? So, I mean, this is just either, again, sabotage or an unwillingness to recognize reality. And this is concerning either way. President Biden promised to end the leasing program entirely due to its deadly threat to the climate. Interior's recommendations fall far short of that goal and ring particularly hollow days after the largest lease sale in U.S. history, said uh, this dude from Oil Change International. So there is a move. There is a move being made. After keeping the entire energy industry in limbo for months, DOI's report shows that they have only just begun their war on safe, reliable, and domestic energy. Uh, Republican from Arkansas says. <clears throat> so yeah, this is from Nathan Workester from the Epoch Times. Thank you, Nathan. So this is when we get into the European element of this. And thank you for all my European listeners. What's up? This is from Peter Sweden. Electricity prices are skyrocketing right now. This is from two days ago. In Norway, the price will be so high tomorrow that a 10-minute shower can cost almost $3. Talk about luxury, right? Imagine how expensive it will be to warm your house in negative 10 degrees Celsius tomorrow. Thank you, climate change policies. So, we've talked about this before. Going into this brand new world, all of us are going to be challenged and tested. Um, while you can, while you still have this option, what I would do is I would minimize your standard of living. I would lower your standard of living before it's forced upon you. I would start eating canned goods. I would start eating foods which are not as expensive. Like something that I've started to do that I've really enjoyed is I'm just having bread with olive oil that has some herbs in it. Uh, now, to some degree, I'm doing this because I'm fasting, but that is a way that you could limit your intake of food. And it also limit uh, seed oils. I'd limit... Um, Soy, in particular, especially if you're a dude. Stop with the soy, all right? I would limit your sugar intake. 
Uh, meat is fine every once in a while, but we know what they're trying to do with meat. They're tying this into the whole climate change thing too. Uh, so I would start taking cold showers. I would start getting up earlier in the morning. I would do things that would exercise your body and make it more resistant to the difficulties which are coming. And when you do that, by the way, you also, to some degree, crucify the flesh and make your spirit stronger. And this is something that we should all do anyway. Uh, But I would start doing it because it's going to be forced upon you. Uh, Your life is going to get harder. And also... This isn't just a rich or poor thing. Uh, Everybody's going to be included in this because if you don't want to go along with the beast system, which hopefully is a number of people here watching this channel, if you don't want to go along with this, you don't want to take the stabbies, you don't want to get the health passports, and you don't want to be integrated into this new uh, AI, technocratic, dictatorial surveillance system, then you're going to be locked out of the system. They're going to find ways to make it so that you can't have the same lifestyle as you did before. You can't travel overseas. You can't go to the restaurant that you otherwise want to go to. You can't maybe travel throughout your country because maybe like in Australia, they have border guards set up checking people's QR codes. You got to take a mandated selfie in Australia. I mean, oh my goodness gracious, this thing's just getting wild, right? Maybe you only have enough electricity every day to charge your phone enough to give your government a mandated selfie. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, maybe that's their future coming up. But if you don't want to go along with this, they are going to put the screws to you. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care where you live in this world. I mean, it seems to be a global issue. Maybe you can move to El Salvador and escape this stuff. But again, El Salvador has a history of socialism. And we also have a history, uh, the main world powers, of overthrowing people in third world countries don't like to install new puppet regimes. And so maybe that happens to El Salvador. I mean, we are in the global new world order. I mean, that is what we're moving into right now. And from what I can glean, there's going to be virtually no escape from this. I don't care who you are. So with this going on, with us being able to see the dark clouds on the horizon, I would get yourself prepared. I I would also get spiritually strong because the temptations are going to be significantly strong. I mean, they've already tried to tempt young dudes like me with every possible incentive to get the jab. You know, you go on Tinder, you can say that you're vaccinated and then you could say, uh, you know, I'm not going to disease you. Let's, let's get it on. Like they have done studies that if you say that you have been stabbed or you've been vaccinated, I'm just going to use the terms that you've been vaccinated, uh, then you're more likely to get that poon. (laughs) That's what they say. Uh, you can then go to more restaurants. You can then travel more. You have more liberties that you otherwise can't. They're going to tempt you with every possible incentive to get you on board into the system. And if you're not spiritually strong and you're not committed to God, they're going to be able to get you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Unless you're like some hyper-powerful billionaire who can somehow get around this stuff and you have like ownership of a Fiji island or something like this. But I I don't think that's you. So, And if it is you, send me some money. (laughs) You know, Invite me to your island. Um... Hopefully it's not in the Caribbean, and I hope that the person who owned it or did own it 
was not named Epstein. Uh, anyways, so that's something to note. The cost of everything is going to go up. So as for me, my AC in my house actually stopped working about a month ago. And I thought to myself, well, energy prices are going to go pretty high. Maybe this is an opportunity that God has given me in order to lower my standard of living. So I haven't fixed it. It is cold in my house. That's why I'm wearing the sweater. So that is something to know. We could uh, talk more about this. I guess there's a little bit to talk about with this. This is a little bit of a white pill here. Uh, there are private companies now working on nuclear fusion. And nuclear fusion for the longest time has been the promise of having extremely cheap and clean energy. Um, as of now, it's an extraordinarily expensive endeavor. And countries around the world are collaborating on experiments. But we're still a ways away from that. We're at least probably five to ten years away from this, if it even happens at all. They have not figured out a way to profitably do this. So nuclear fusion is sought after as the holy grail of clean energy because it is totally clean as an energy source with the potential to create essentially limitless power with absolutely zero greenhouse gas emissions if the full power of fusion reactions can be harnessed by humans. So if the full power of the fusion reactors can be harnessed by humans. So, oh, I didn't mean to click that. No, don't go. Uh, yeah, they're making stuff hotter than the sun. It's pretty wild stuff. And it's different from nuclear fission, fission, which we do now, which is typical nuclear energy that you get from uranium. And we've talked about uranium a good bit here on the channel. It's more complicated than that, and it requires more energy. And who knows how this stuff could be used to make weapons or other things which are bad for humanity. I mean, again, remember... Everything that we're talking about here, uh, energy, cryptocurrency, these are all tools. And it depends on the spiritual state of the people using those tools. Uh, that determines the outcome as to what's going to happen when they're used. So <clears throat> the trick is creating an environment here on Earth that facilitates fusion, which is what happens on the sun, basically. Uh, but recreating the kind of conditions found in the core of the sun is a tall order. So it's pretty cool. We could dig more into this. Uh, they're talking about having a net positive energy reactor by 2036. Again, I don't even know what's going to happen over the next seven years, 2036. I mean, assuming that the Terminators have yet to take over the world, that's cool. But uh, many other things are of concern. Okay. Let's see what else we got. So again, we're getting more into the European news now. Slow disaster playing out as Germany moves to shut down 8.5 gigawatt of baseload nuclear capacity. <clears throat> At Facebook, Danish observer Peter Barland presents a chart and commentary on Germany's upcoming rapid nuclear power phase-out. By the end of 2022, the government will have shut down another six plants with a total baseload of 8.54 gigawatts. So they're shutting down nuclear power reactors, which is just... Oh, it's just so crazy. Oh, it's so wild, bro. It's clean energy. 
and they're shutting down nuclear reactors right now, which have enough power to power Denmark two times over throughout a year. I mean, just unbelievable developments happening in Germany. I mean, this is the country which has shut down all of their coal-fired power plants and are having energy issues now because of that. And now they're shutting down nuclear power. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And now they're having Nord Stream 2, which is a pipeline built by Gazprom, bring in Russian oil. It's almost like they're begging to be in the camp of Russia. What is going on? It's just unbelievable. So yesterday we commented here that Germany will in fact be shutting down all the baseload power sources, which ironically kept the country from blacking out in 2021 because wind and solar power failed to deliver as expected. Which again, you need rare earth minerals to make wind and solar power technologies. It's crazy. Disaster playing out. Pretty crazy. In just over a month, Germany will close three of its newest and best nuclear power plants. And more than 4,050 megawatts of electricity will disappear from northern Europe's power grid. 4,050 megawatts is equivalent to the average electricity consumption of all of Denmark. Just wild. Totally, totally wild. Is MW gigawatts or megawatts? Because it says here gigawatts, and then it says here MW. I'm not. Let's see what's going on here. So there are a thousand megawatts in a. Oh, okay. I'm being dumb. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, where are we going? Okay, so here we are. Excuse me. So this is right. It will put. Supply security further under pressure, and them choosing to do so in the middle of winter is pretty crazy. Again, we're seeing just more irrational behavior here. Or again, they're trying to sabotage the electricity infrastructure. I mean, let me know what you guys think. Please comment in the comments as to what you think about this. This is this perplexing information to take in. Not only will the 4,050 megawatts of shutoff nuclear power lead to more CO2 emissions, but it will cause much more pollution from the burning of biomass and fossil fuels. Next winter, Germany will close the last three nuclear power plants, also 4,000 megawatts. Anyone who has followed the energy and climate political debate, even superficially over the last 10 to 20 years, can see that Germany, Denmark, and other green crazy countries are doing it vigorously against what logic and science dictates. And the logic and science in and of itself is already nutty and crazy. But they're going against that now. And if you went against the climate change science and logic, and you want to do that by upping fossil fuel use, then at least your citizens would have a short-term benefit to that. But this doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't make any sense. It's literally like they're trying to destroy their domestic energy infrastructure. It just doesn't make any sense. We see a slow disaster playing out with the Greens in the lead role as the crazy villain, hell-bent in their eagerness to wipe out life and prosperity. And I believe the Greens in the most recent election uh, won some ministerial seats. Let's look this up. Uh, Germany, Green 
party uh, win. So they got 15% of the vote. So they won't get the chancellorship. Uh, but I believe they got some ministerial seats. Uh, let's see here. Let's... No, it's 2021. I don't know. I, I can't find the information right now. But they're getting more prominent in Germany. And they have some control over the levers of power there. On top of the baseload power shutdown madness, German Health Minister Jens Spahn said he favored a one-year complete lockdown of unvaxxed Germans. There's definitely something in someone's water. So yeah, they're just going crazy over there in Germany. And they're voting now. I don't know if I said this before, but they're now voting on compulsory vaccines for the population. Forcing the population to take these medical experiments. It's hard to believe this is happening. It's just unbelievable. So let's go to more supply chain craziness going on. So Biden had issued a mandate saying that truckers need to take the vax or lose their job. Uh, let's go into more detail on this. I mean, you want to talk about supply chain issues. We already have supply chain issues. Now he wants to inject truckers with this medical experiment, and they're not wanting to do this. 37% of the truckers are not only saying no, but hell no to the mandate. That's 2.5 million truckers who could potentially quit the workforce. I mean, that's going to destroy the supply chain. And we already have inflation getting off the chain. And inflation is going to get worse because of this energy issue that we're talking about as energy becomes more and more expensive as a result of these insane policies. So this is just going to make inflation even worse. It's going to make the supply shortages even worse. And Biden had discussed that <clears throat> one of the reasons why energy could be so expensive is because oil companies are price gouging. That's what he said, it's price gouging. So that's a key word that you see before you see the implementation of price controls, which I think we will see before next year is over as we get into the 2022 political season. I think we could see price controls, which is bullish Monero, right? And we've talked about that. To make matters worse, Spear revealed that the pandemic already left them 80,000 workers short compared to pre-pandemic levels. Therefore, losing 2.5 million truckers would be catastrophic. We've tried to be very clear to the administration. I understand that the logic, I understand the logic behind this, but if you do this, uh, these are the consequences. Don't say that. Don't try to sympathize with them. There is no logic in these people. Somebody once said, hell is a place where there's no reason. We're in hell right now. Reason doesn't exist. It's insanity that we're in. Uh, I wouldn't cede ground to them like this. I wouldn't uh, make them think that they're smarter than they are. They're insane. Uh, but if you do this, these are the consequences. So if you're trying to solve the supply chain problem, you're actually compounding it and actually hurting the very problem that you're trying to fix on the vaccine side. Uh, what 
are truckers just dying like flies as a result of COVID? I don't think so. So, at least the courts are fighting against the vaccine mandate. And they are putting a stay on this, as far as I'm concerned right now. Uh, But that is what's happening. Even if they don't have this go through, because the judges back up the truckers and they issue a stay on that order. Just the fact that they're willing to try this just, again, shows you that the people who are in charge of the country are insane. And what they are seemingly trying to do is destroy the supply chain and the energy infrastructure. I mean, it's either unbelievable incompetence, insanity, or direct purposeful sabotage of the country. Um, let's get to more articles. Uh, Biden to cause, yeah, we talked about this just now. Let's talk about the UK for a sec. We've got some listeners from the UK. Why are so many UK energy providers going bust? I mean, there's a new energy, uh, energy, uh, a new energy provider in the UK going bankrupt like every day from what I'm reading. So let's check this out. This is from yahoonews.com. And before that was, I believe, right side broadcasting. So this is from Veronica DuPont. Britain's domestic energy providers suffered a string of bankruptcies excuse me, in recent months with Bulb the latest to see the lights go out this week. How, how far through this are we? An hour and 49, okay. Uh, The number of UK suppliers has almost halved since August, ravaged by sky-high global wholesale costs and local factors like the so-called energy cap. Soaring fuel bills are also translating into surging inflation, which makes it increasingly hard to pass on spiraling costs to consumers as the cold winter approaches. So, yeah, we're starting to see this plan to inflation, as we've talked about. And there are other costs that are going into the production of gas and the transportation of gas that are becoming more expensive. Like trucks are becoming more expensive. Uh, Wheels becoming more expensive because rubber is getting harder and harder to source. There is a shortage of rubber, from what I understand, and you need to replace the wheels on trucks, especially trucks that are transporting oil pretty frequently. And so the cost of all the stuff is going up because of inflation, which indicates compounding increases in energy costs as well. So a total of 25 British suppliers have gone bust since August. 25 plagued by surging wholesale prices for gas and electricity. The dramatic collapse has left just 28 providers still standing. The nation's seventh biggest supplier, Bulb, went bust on Monday, triggering special intervention to protect the near 1.7 million households it serves. I mean, it's just wild. And the UK is doing more uh, COVID tyranny. It seems to be expanding. They had just shortened the time between booster shots from six months to three months. So now you're going to have to get a new shot Every three months, 
And the shot is already just making people drop like flies. I mean, it's just wild what is going on in the world right now. But we got to stay at peace, right? Stay at peace. The government has set aside nearly $1.7 billion to ensure bulb stays on. So the, the government is issuing more money than it has. It doesn't have $1.7 billion. It doesn't have any money. It's blown through tremendous amounts of capital. And the UK was already in a very terrible economic state before the pandemic happened. And then they were on lockdown for a tremendous amount of time, longer than we were here in the States. And their lockdown was more severe than ours was. So they definitely don't have the money for this. At some point, uh, these companies are not going to stay on. They're going to go out. Because if the government has to continue to print money in order to keep these energy companies on and to keep their economy going, inflation is going to get worse, as was just mentioned up here. Surging inflation. You already have surging inflation. And them printing money to keep these companies open is just going to compound that, right? So under a separate bankruptcy process, customers from other smaller failing suppliers have been taken on by larger rivals. Analysts fear consumers will ultimately pay via even higher fuel bills, hurting the poorest households the most. Yeah. So why is the UK so hard hit? Europe has also been adversely affected as energy prices have vaulted higher on resurgent post-pandemic demand, the arrival of the colder northern hemisphere winter, and stubborn fears over key Russian supplies. So again, they're going to blame the Russians. It has nothing to do with the insanity on the behalf of the European leaders to destroy their energy infrastructure uh, by uh, recklessly transitioning from fossil fuels to solar and energy uh, and solar and wind energy and to also shut down nuclear power plants no it has to do with the ruskies again just absurd some providers have also gone bust or restructured activities in france and germany <coughs> yeah germany is definitely going to need it huh? however britain is more vulnerable due to its greater reliance on natural gas and insufficient gas storage facilities the government is meanwhile seeking to ramp up renewable and nuclear power to help meet its 2050 net zero carbon target. So at least they see the value in nuclear power. I mean, that's one good thing. But who knows? One thing that I'm concerned about in regards to nuclear power, and I am invested in nuclear, I think uranium is going to go nuclear. Uh, It's done pretty well since we've started talking about it on the channel, but if there is one issue... With one nuclear power plant, uh, like you had with Fukushima, I mean, that could send nuclear power into another proverbial winter. Uh, That could disincentivize a lot of investment. Uh, A lot of fear could ripple through the population. The environmental crowds get uppity. I mean, that could cause uh, serious implications and setbacks for the nuclear industry. And that should be something to keep on the radar. So, yet recent calm weather has hampered out output from its growing wind sector. <laughs> it's just uh, so dumb. The UK is more dependent on gas for power generation than many European countries and is also less integrated into supranational energy markets. In Europe, for example, 
price increases were cushioned by common electricity market. Uh, the common electricity market. But here the burdens were noticeably high. So. Oh, you're already seeing price controls in the UK. This is interesting, so check this out. Britain's energy providers have also been hurt by government moves to cap prices in an attempt to ease consumer pain. So we're probably going to see that in the States too. They're already starting price controls in the UK. And that's going to move its way down uh, to everyday goods, the price controls. It's not just going to be energy. It's going to be everything. Especially as more small businesses are put out of business, a lot of that market share is gobbled up by fascist corporations like Amazon and Apple, which have close relationships with the government. And then the government can then make arrangements with those corporations to limit their prices, which will lead to more shortages because people are going to smarten up and say, hey, I could sell this for more on the black market. They're going to take those goods off the white market to move it into the black market to then sell at the fair market value. And what do you need for that? Well, you need Monero to buy that stuff. So in order to cope with shortages of goods that you may need, you guys may want to consider getting Monero. And we've talked about that. So Price caps, which are supposed to protect consumers from price increases, mean that companies get into trouble when gas prices rise as they currently do. Therefore, stress tests could be needed in the future to ensure that companies entering the market are well enough positioned. Uh, It's just more communism. I mean, we know how this ends. We know how this ends. If you start to control the price of one thing, especially if that price is integrated into everything, then you're going to have to start to control the price on more things. And what the Federal Reserve is doing with interest rates, which is the most important price set on anything, which is money, uh, once they started to try to control interest rates, the price of money, the price of everything became distorted. The price of everything became distorted. And that's why we are in a huge epic bubble. Um, it's like, imagine air is moving into like a big ball of plastic, right? Or like a big sheet of plastic, which then turns into a ball as a result of the air. Maybe you're trying to stop too much air from getting into one area. And so what do you do? You press it down. Well, that air goes somewhere else. It doesn't just disappear. It just goes somewhere else. And then you've got to try to clamp down the air that's concentrating too much in another sector. So you, boom, Pound that down. Then that error then concentrates to another second. You got to pound that down. So these governments are going to start to play whack-a-mole here to try to keep prices down everywhere. But what that's going to do is it's just going to make it so that there are shortages everywhere. There are shortages everywhere. Because then more air can't get into the system. And the system just suffocates to death. Until it just pops. It just collapses. So that's what we're seeing. So I want to... Do I have anything else to talk about? Oh, yeah. So check this out. This just came out today. Italy's industry minister, Giancarlo Giorgetti, warns of blackouts in Europe amid energy supply issues. This just happened today. So it's getting worse actively as we speak. It's not getting better. 
Check it out. Dell'esigenza al netto, lo ribadisco, dell'esigenza che a livello europeo si definisca un piano per evitare cose anche peggiori, e cioè I don't know what he's saying, but he's saying that there's going to be blackouts in Europe. This is from disclosetv.com or their Twitter anyway. Uh, Bitcoin Senpai says this is a manufactured crisis. I am leaning that way as well. But look, Bitcoin, bro, <laughs> this is not going to be good for your precious Bitcoin. This is why I am leaning more towards gold and silver at this point. Um, I was already leaning that way for considerations involving store of value. Uh, I don't consider crypto to be a store of value. Uh, but this is going to be tough for cryptos which are mined with ASICs, right? Because you're going to need a lot of energy. And this is going to be problematic for corporations which mine this stuff. Uh, because they're probably going to have regulations incurred upon them. Or they're going to be banned uh, outright. Because they're going to have to ration energy in this environment where you have energy supply issues and you have blackouts. Because if you start to have hospitals have supply uh, energy issues, <coughs> if you start to have grocery support... Oh, I can't even talk. Hold on one second. If you start to have energy supply issues with Kroger's or supermarkets or hospitals or veterinary clinics, financial service centers, the homes of the elite, <laughs> right? Uh, they're going to look at the Bitcoin miners and they're going to say, you're not necessary. We don't need you. You need to shut down your operations. I suspect that's what's going to happen. Uh, that's going to interfere with the hash power, certainly of Bitcoin. Obviously, that hash power is going to go somewhere else. Where is it going to go? Well, I don't know. Because, again, this is a global issue that we're looking at. This is a global issue. And if everyone has to start rationing energy, uh, where are you going to go to where you feel safe setting up a huge energy consumptive operation that is made to bolster the network of a currency which is competitive to the reigning currencies of the time which governments go to war to protect. That's a risky venture. That's a risky, risky venture. Now, with Monero, it's more decentralized. You don't have to worry about setting up huge Bitcoin mining operations to keep the network going. It's problematic for some cryptos, for some not so much. But that's something to consider, Mr. Bitcoin Senpai. Something to consider. <laughs> Here's Alex Jones. Yep, saw this coming. So it begins. Power cuts next. Stay, stay safe, folks. So people are waking up to this stuff. People are waking up to this stuff. Yeah, so this is something to consider. Before we get to that story, I want to make sure we get through everything. In regards to energy. How long have we been going on for now? So about two hours. Told you guys it would be a long stream. But I'd say maybe we have another hour to go. What's the deal with rolling blackouts in California's power grid? Yeah, so if you guys live in California, like the Money Today show, I'm joking, he doesn't live in California, I don't think. Uh, or like some other people that I'm aware of, you already know about the blackouts. 
in California is just a civilization collapsing. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's like hell over in California. Anyways, a heat wave spreading across large portions of the West Coast of the United States is not surprising for this time of year, but the frequency and severity of these heat waves have been getting worse in the recent years as the side effects from the climate change become more obvious. Okay, so again, you see how it's being framed. Climate change is causing blackouts. And as climate change gets worse, which is what they're going to tell you, as it gets worse, you're going to have bigger and bigger issues with electricity. So on the one hand, it's going to be you're having energy shortages because climate change and its derivative weather effects is causing problems with the supply chain, which they've already started to say, which is just preposterous and ridiculous, but that's what they're going to say. And it's going to have trouble. And it's going to cause trouble with the electricity infrastructure because of the heat or whatever. But it's also you need to make a sacrifice in order to fight climate change. So it's going to be a twofold thing. Whatever happens, guys, they're already starting to blame on climate change. They're already saying that kids getting heart attacks is because of climate change. It's not because of other obvious variables that you could plug into that equation. It's because of climate change. They're saying that more women on the boards of corporate directorships on corporate boards that is better for climate change than if men were on those boards okay so you're seeing just everything being sold in a context of climate change in response to this the grid operators in california have instituted limiting limited rolling blackouts as electricity demand ramps up this isn't california's first running with elective blackouts either the electrical grid in california is particularly prone to issues like this both from engineering issues and from other less obvious problems as well so we could dig into the history and the info regarding the california infrastructure but yeah they're like literally instituting blackouts in california they say Unless a major overhaul of the grid is performed, they will likely continue. Well, they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. Especially if they continue to blame this on climate change. Which, I mean, just think about this. Is there any set of points that could be listed on an agenda that say, hey, we beat climate change, we can go back to normal? Like, is there any null hypothesis? Is there any strict set of determinable results that can be had from this operation to try to contain climate change that can be checked and made it so that people can have some public ascertainable way to say hey we beat climate change let's go back to normal no it's just going to be it's getting worse it's getting worse it's getting worse it's still a problem it's still a problem it's still a problem we need to continue to make sacrifices. We need more tyranny. We need you to eat bugs. We need you to live in a box. We need you to have no electricity. And it's going to get worse because the goals are undefined. It's ambiguous, which means they can do anything to justify this stuff. And they can justify anything because of this stuff. So people should probably be worried. This is from cron.com. And by the way, this is from hackaday.com. Uh, From cron.com, people should probably be worried. Texas hasn't done enough to prevent another winter blackout, experts say. So 
you remember la- you remember last year how there was an issue with the Texas power grid uh, because of not heat as you have in California, but cold weather because you had wind turbines uh, which were not winterproofed or something like this. They had froze and they couldn't spin, which caused electrical problems. And you also had uh, pipelines freeze as well. And millions lost power for days in sub-freezing temperatures and more than 200 people died. And many businesses went out of business because they couldn't afford the huge hike in electricity costs. So problems with the electrical grid here. So they say that they had worked on fixing this, but some people say it's not been fixed. (laughs) So something to, again, note. And we've talked about Lebanon before. Lebanon heads for total darkness blackout as electricity funds dry up. Governments are going broke all over the world, right? As they run out of money, it's not clear to me how they're going to keep up the electrical infrastructure, Uh, especially if inflation really takes off or interest rates are hiked and everything just becomes much more expensive because everybody's spending their money servicing debt instead of trying to maintain the infrastructure because everything is being terribly mismanaged. And the results of that mismanagement are going to become apparent, probably in a sudden fashion, and then all at once. And it's going to be a disaster. But I do wonder how these things are going to be afforded. I do wonder. So this person from Lebanon says, imagine your life without electricity, internet, phones, hospitals, or vaccines. Oh, no. Oh, no. What will we do about not having vaccines? That's terrible. It's surreal to live in the 21st century without electricity. So, yeah. I mean, what will your crypto be worth in this environment? What will it be worth? Probably nothing. So, yeah. Check that out, right? Pretty crazy. Last thing I want to get to today, because I'm getting a little bit tired. I have things I need to do. I want to comment on some of the recent developments going on with this vaccine push. So 62% of Swiss citizens vote to keep vaccine passports. Now, Switzerland has, from what I understand, in Europe, the most educated population out there and the more freedom and the most freedom oriented vaccine. Oh, goodness. Yeah, if I go on past an hour and a half, I start to lose. They have the most educated population. They have the most freedom-oriented population out there in Europe, from what I understand. So the fact that 62% of the Swiss citizens would vote for vaccine passports is amazing to me. And mind you, they have a direct democracy system. So they are able to make determinations themselves on these things with a higher degree of liberty and freedom than we can here in the West. Generally, in the West. 
Because in the United States, I mean, there are no white hats. There are no people on your side in regards to this. None. The Republicans aren't on your side. The Democrats aren't on your side. You will do whatever the people who own them want you to do. I mean, you don't have democracy anymore. And even if you did, it's not an optimal form of government. Uh, It's not even worth putting this out anymore. Uh, I think many of you understand this. It's a way to make people think that they have freedom and they have some control over their government when they really don't, especially when mass migration is happening. You're bringing in people from authoritarian regimes who will then vote for authoritarianism in the United States because they're not part of the founding stock. They're not part of the European stock who are naturally skeptical of authoritarianism and big government policies. Um, These people are coming from places where this is normal. And so they don't have the same sense of fear and the same sense of circumspection when it comes to big government policies, higher taxes, uh, you know, government saying that they're going to do something for you, like build roads or, you know, do something for you, give you money, maybe welfare states, blah, blah, blah. Like this stuff is normal in third world countries. It's not normal in European countries. And the Europeans want to fight back against this stuff. Uh, to some degree, uh, this vote right here makes you circumspect about that, but the mass migration isn't helping either. But for the most part, we don't have any political freedom left in the United States. We've been disenfranchised. And certainly in other places in Europe, that's the case. At least in Europe, though, you have a parliamentary system. You have a multi-party system. You can make your own party. You could get in a certain number of seats. Parties work together to form governments. I mean, that's a little bit more interesting to me than what we have in the United States with this two-party oligarchy. Uh Excuse me, this two-party oligopoly. Uh, that's just, that needs to change. Uh, I'd prefer like a Christian monarchy at this point. Uh, a Byzantine theocracy would be great, but uh, a man can dream. But 62% of Swiss citizens vote to keep COVID passports intact. So look at this. In a world where millions protest daily against the creeping tyranny of a big government, which is abusing the never-ending COVID tragic comedy to get so much bigger it would make even George Orwell cringe one country actually had an opportunity to put an end to the vaccine passports and totally blew it despite months of protests Swiss citizens overwhelmingly voted to keep the country's system of COVID vaccination certificates in place not surprisingly the deal was sweetened by the promise of financial assistance for voters so if this vote was had maybe a year ago or significantly earlier than it was initiated, then I imagine the outcome of the vote would have changed. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the more people that get the vaccine, the more people are going to be pulled into this psychological complicity trap. Because once you get the vaccine, you want other people to get it too. You don't want to be the only person getting this thing for a number of reasons. Number one you were probably enticed to get this thing because somebody told you, hey, you're going to protect other people around you if you get this stuff. You're getting the vaccine. The virus can't transmit through you. You're where the buck stops, right? So you thought you were doing a public good, and if other people don't go through on doing that public good, it's sort of like a a free rider problem, right? 
there's a concept in economics called the free rider problem. I mean, that's why people say that we have taxes because you can't voluntarily fund everything because some people are going to donate, some people won't, and the people that don't donate to a particular thing are just going to be able to ride freely on the donations to that thing that other people uh, helped support. So if you have like a road that needs to be built, the free rider problem says that a few people would say, hey, I'll help you build the road. I'll contribute to uh, the fund. I'll go out and help build it. And then you have a lot of people just sitting around like, cool, those people are going to take care of it. I don't need to contribute anything. Well, because you have so many of those people who would otherwise say, I'm not going to contribute to this, the argument is we need compulsion in order to make sure everybody joins in. And everybody pays at least some quote-unquote fair share in order to get this project done. So this is what we could perhaps see in regards to COVID passports and vaccination to begin with. And by default, if you have COVID passports instituted in your society, that's basically a vaccine mandate, right? Because you're going to need that passport if you want to do anything, which means you have to get the the, va- the vax. Correct. <sighs> So now that so many people have had the stabby because they've been either bribed to do it, they've been incentivized to do it at work, they've been shamed into doing it, their family enticed them into doing it, you can't come to Thanksgiving, you can't come to holidays, you can't celebrate Christmas, blah, 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 if you don't get it, right? There have been enough people who have been compromised psychologically, biologically, etc., that they are going to want some incentive to be imposed on other people for them to be on board as well. Because they look at the other people as free riders. And not only that, but let's say that they do feel somewhat guilty about getting the jab. That guilt is going to spawn anger within them. And they could be angry at themselves for making this decision to get the jab because maybe they are starting to wake up to the negative health ramifications of getting this thing. Maybe they're starting to figure out that this really wasn't worth the risk to do because maybe they have things coming on down the the line a few years from now that could be detrimental to their health as a result of the spike protein being injected into their body, right? And they take out that anger on the unvaccinated who made a choice not to go along with the program. And this manifests itself in forcing them to get the vaccine so that they don't have to feel so alone in this choice that they made, which may not have been good for them. It's kind of hard to imagine people could be in this position, but this is, to some degree, what a lot of people are experiencing, I think. Could be subconscious, too. They may not even be conscious of this. So... That's something to know. But the fact that 62% of this population voted for this indicates to everybody, to governments also, that they have enough of the public on their side to really start to push to the next level. And I think that's why over the last couple of days we've seen such a ramp up. Because this was had on the 28th, this vote. In the last two days, you've seen Greece institute mandatory vaccination. Germany is now considering mandatory mandatory vaccination. You have other 
European countries considering the same thing. They feel more confident now. They feel the public is on their side, and they probably understand this dynamic better than anybody. Every single person that gets this jab, every single person that gets onboarded to this B system can more easily be used in their favor to convince other people to get onto the system as well. And that's why I keep saying you need to work on your faith. You need to become stronger in faith because it's going to get more and more and more difficult. As more people get onboarded, the more pressure is going to come down upon you and the fewer people are going to come to your defense. So don't give in. Don't give in. Let's read more of this. According to RT, Sunday, just over some... 62% of voters chose to maintain the country's coronavirus measures, which include a controversial system of COVID vaccination certificates required since September to enter bars, restaurants, theaters, and other public spaces. Majorities in 24 of Switzerland's 26 cantons backed the law. So, from what I understand, most of these people were elderly who voted for this law. And this is another problem that you run into in regards to demographics. When you don't have as many young as you do old, because the old decided to party their entire lives and to go get jobs and to get educated and blah, blah, blah. And you have more of them than you do the young. Well, then what they want is going to reign over what the young want. In a democracy, that's what's going to happen. And this is what we saw in 2020 and 2019, right? Uh, the old get what they want. They get more Social Security. They get more Medicare. They get more Medicaid. They get more government benefits. They get more lockdowns in order to protect themselves at the expense of the young who have lost educational opportunities, who have lost career opportunities, who have gone broke as a result of their business that they just started up being deemed non-essential, Right? And the old thought they were going to be safe from all this. And it was all a lie, but they got what they want. They got what they want. And of course, the old people who don't have kids, one of the only things that they do have is politics. That's how they they can feel meaningful to society. That's how they can feel like they have purpose, is by getting involved in politics rather than raising a family. And so... They get involved in politics because they want that high that you can get from being morally righteous and morally vindicated. And if they've been bred and groomed to think that you know mass migration is good, uh, diversity is good, blah 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 blah, you know, uh, you know, more welfare payments and just about everything else which is destructive to a society, they're going to advocate for it because that's all that they have. I mean, it's a very essential problem for a democracy to have more old people than young people because the young people then get harvested by the old and this is typically late roman stuff this is end of the empire stuff and that's what we're going through right now and since back to the article COVID has emerged as every politician's best friend all swiss political parties with the exception of the right-wing swiss people's party supported the law, which was brought to a vote after anti-lockdown groups gathered nearly 200,000 signatures to challenge it earlier this year. 
Under Switzerland's system of direct democracy, any initiative can be brought to a vote with 100,000 signatures. Curiously, while voters in June backed the introduction of the measures by 60%, recent months have seen protests break out in Swiss cities over the introduction of the vaccine certificate. Police in October used rubber bullets, tear gas, and water cannons to disperse crowds of people who broke through barriers outside the parliament building in Bern. And yet almost six months later, and this is the key point, the support for the controversial measures appears to have been higher than when they were first introduced. Almost one has to wonder if the referendum was held by mail. So they held the... So they introduced the measure back in June. 60% of the people backed the measures. Six months later, now 62 back the measures. The number of people who have chosen to back the measures has increased, which indicates what we just said is true, which is that more people got the vaccine, more people got initiated into the complicity trap, and now they want their fellow citizen to also get vaccinated. They want everyone else to be brought into the system. Right. So, yeah, pretty wild, right? The law voted on provides more than just vaccine passports. It also expands financial support. Well, there you go, too. I mean, you could bribe off the population, which is, of course, happening in every Western country uh, by every politician. That's why... The Democrats, for the most part, have been able to establish uniparties because they offer the most money to the people. Their bribes are the biggest. And that's when you are on the road to financial hell, is when the public gets a little bit of that drip of free money, and they then yearn for it, they vote for it, they trade their freedoms for it, and then you end up with universal basic income, which started last year. And now that's not going away either. There's no rolling it back. There's no rolling it back. And it's suggested that we're going through another round of stimulus soon. (laughs) So look out for that. Because of the new variant, right? So yeah, that's all I want to talk about. Uh, I hope that you kept your window closed. (laughs) I hope that uh, you're not looking to go Batman out your window with a cape because you're not going to fly. You will splat. But I hope that uh, you at least are aware of some of the risks now that are involved with this stuff. And I'm not good at talking for two and a half hours. One of the reasons why I was off social media for the last eight days is because naturally I'm inclined to just sit back and enjoy things which are accessible to me in my house. You know, I... I'm old school that way. I got a guitar I like to play. I like to read books. I like to watch movies. Uh, I like to chill out with my friends and hike and spend time in nature. It's not uh, naturally occurring to me to talk with people on the internet. That's not uh, within my wheelhouse for the most part. That's not to say that I don't like you guys. It's just uh, part of my personality. So don't take that to heart, but... I do need to work a little bit on this, obviously. Uh, 
first time back in a couple of weeks, so I hope that you'll forgive uh, the muttering. But I, I think that this stuff is really important to know. And this, to some degree, is why I've had some steam leave uh, my steam-powered ship, which has been railing down Monero Lane for quite a while, is because if we can't maintain the fundamental tenets of civilization and the underpinnings of civilization, its energy, uh, its essential freedoms, it's very hard for me to figure out how this is going to work in that environment. Now, again, this is digital cash. If you have some level of electricity functioning in your system, you can you can use it to work. But with where things are going now, I think that it's ideal to find people within your geographic vicinity that can offer you the goods and services that you need. Because I think we're going to go through a period of decentralization. I don't think globalization could last much longer if the energy infrastructure on a global level becomes ever more stressed and it becomes that much more costly to manufacture things over there and ship it over here and it becomes more costly to ship food and other supplies from over there to over here it makes more sense to get everything locally from an economics perspective and it makes more sense to manufacture things here in the states now whether or not we're going to be able to do that with our current administration which is just seemingly sabotaging us on every level I don't know I don't know. But these are all things to consider. These are all things to consider. That's it. So I might have an interview with Arctic Mine this week coming up. I'll have to come up with questions for that. I'm so busy with so many things. I have to work on my baptism. Uh, I have to uh, go see some people. I got family stuff going on. So... I've just been very busy. And look, if you are a patron and you've been subscribed to the channel, I just want to let you know straight up, over the next month, I'm probably not going to be able to put out as much content as I would otherwise like that I otherwise have been over the last few months. So if that uh, is not what you expected, feel free to adjust your pledges uh, or to get rid of your pledges um, because I don't want to have you think that I am milking you uh, it's just the situation that I'm in right now. So now that we're coming up on two and a half hours, I think that's all I want to say. So leave comments. Let me know what you think. There's a lot that we went through here. And remember to stay at peace and to go to church and to make sure that you're right with God because the turbulations are coming, my friends. They are coming. And it's going to be a great opportunity to see what we're really made of because we've been too comfortable, honestly, over the last... Uh, number of years and i'll say that sadistically oh you will feel the pain no uh just we need a challenge we need a test we need something that will band us together and something that will uh try our souls and make us worthy of god and his love and everything great that he provides for us so that said Monero mateo i think that's all we gotta say more Monero content coming soon i know that you guys love that stuff and i know that this was a little off kilter today but Please like, subscribe, leave comments, check out social media, check out the donation links below. That's all. Have a great one. Goodbye.